Bird of Paradise. I'm your nerd Kate, and you're listening to episode 10. And just so you know, right up front, this is an especially nerdy episode. Now I know they're all kind of nerdy, but this one's going to be really science heavy, and it might get a little bit technical with some of the interviews I did, but just a nerd alert right up front. So, the topic of this episode is rocks and minerals. So basically I was in Tucson a couple weeks ago and they had this big huge rock and gem show in town. And in case you're not familiar with what a rock and gem show entails, basically it was like a big comic con but instead of like comic books it was displays of different rocks, there was um, lots of different jewelry and gems and things like that that you could buy and yeah just a lot of interesting booths and informative very informative so I think I'll just go ahead and play you what I recorded at the rock and mineral show and then you'll hear from me again at the end all right so I'm here at the 63rd annual Tucson rock and mineral show and pretty interesting I wasn't planning on doing a podcast episode but I decided to get my phone out and just see what I can find. So right away, there's this really cool T-Rex head. <laughs> oh, it's really busy right now. I think I'll come back and see what else I can find. Okay, so um, this is the Carbon Mineral Challenge. And what that is, it's a worldwide hunt for new carbon minerals. Cool. And we're sponsored by the Deep Carbon Observatory, and what that is, we're, it's a consortium of scientists uh, from all over the planet, and the sole purpose is to discover carbon in its many shapes and forms, and figuring out uh, where it is, you know, distributions. Cool. Yeah, so it's a ton of people working. So are these examples of the different carbon then? Yeah, so what I have on the table here are, are examples of more common um, car- carbon minerals. We have some calcite. Uh, we, um, and uh, rhodochrosite down there. I think that's how you pronounce it. What I always say it wrong. That looks like uh, from a cave or something. It's exactly what it is. Is that what it is? It's a stalactite, cool. and it actually um, has calcite. It's it's another form of calcite. Mm-hmm. It's just um, it just has, has been, it's been formed a different way. It's kind yeah. of strange. It's kind of like an isolate. So yeah. water goes through and, and deposits cool. material. It's yeah, it's interesting. Wow. It's a big hit because people think it's a parsnip when they walk. Oh by. yeah. <laughs> they walk over and think I'm selling vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. Don't try to eat it, right? Exactly. Yeah, you might break a tooth. Um, yeah, not good. So, what my colleagues have done is they've determined that um, through statistics, they've, they've determined that there are roughly 145 or so um, carbon minerals that have yet to be discovered out there somewhere. And so they've launched this, this um, carbon mineral challenge mm-hmm. to sort of enable the, the mineral hunters, the yeah. enthusiasts, the amateurs, anybody who likes rocks to go out and help us unearth these uh, new carbon minerals. So how do you go about doing that then? Well, um, there are there are some, first of all, they have to be verified, which is a, a kind of an interesting process. It takes a few months and they have to run all kinds of crazy tests on it. Um, they put light through it to see how, um, see exactly what the structures of the, of the inside of the mineral, um, what they look like, and then that way they can ter- they can determine what kind of mineral it is, whether it's new or not. And of course, uh, you and I, we, we can't necessarily do that. We don't have this, the equipment at home, but we have a bunch of partner labs um, all over the world who are going to help us out 
uh, with that aspect. So you can talk talk to a cool. lab in your neighborhood. There's uh -huh. one at the University of Arizona. Oh, nice. If you're from this area, yeah. And, and, and cool. if you have something unusual, they they'll probably uh, you know check it out for you. Cool. And maybe it'll be one of the 145. Do you get it named after you then, or something, if you discover it? Well, it's a good. That's a really good question. <laughs> you know, like um, it's a little bit tricky. I. You know Dan Hummer, who is the, the one of the um, the lead on this project, and he's the co-author on the on this research. Uh, well, he told me that you can't name a mineral after yourself. Um, but so you have to find a good friend to find a mineral and <laughs> have go. them name it after you, right? The plan. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. So can you go to that website? Mineralchallenge.net. Yeah, yeah, visit mineralchallenge.net. Okay. We have some resources and cool. some data and some links to other sites that could pr provide uh, useful information. Awesome. And, Thanks a lot. All right, cool. Have cool. a good one. You too. Thanks. Sweet. What would you like to know? So, um, first off, what's your name? Adam Wright of the Adelaide Mining Company. Awesome. All right, so this is a really interesting mineral. Do you want to tell us about it? It's basically a mineral called crocoite, or crocoite, to be more precise, which is lead chromate. It comes from Tasmania in Australia, where we have the most, the biggest, the best in the world. It looks very fragile. Is it as fragile as it looks? It is very fragile, and hence that's the reason why we mount it in these plastic boxes. Oh, wow. They're basically glued to the base mm -hmm. with a glue that is acetone soluble. Gotcha. So when people get it home, if they want to remove it, they can. Oh, okay. My recommendation is to leave it in the box because while it's in the box, it's protected. Cool. So it's like it's that really distinct like coral color. What causes that? It's. It's basically the chromium giving its colour, and it varies from a very bright fluorescent orange through to a deep blood red. We get a very wide spectrum of colours, as well as a wide spectrum of crystal shapes and habits. Wow. So what is the actual mining process then, since it is so fragile? It's actually the easiest step, because the crocite's growing off the walls where it's been precipitated okay. out. The walls are very weathered, so they're therefore very soft. Mm -hmm. So we can actually dig along behind the walls, and then prise the pieces off into our hand oh, cool. without actually touching the crocodile. Okay. It's once you've got it in your hand that life gets tricky. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thanks for your time. Hi, my name is Moses Samora, representing Samora Minerals and Amber Company. Awesome. Amber's really cool. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about like the process of how we get to the mineral? Is it a mineral? It's oh, mineral, really right? It's the only orga organic gemstone. Okay. It's not technically a mineral, it's fossilized tree set. Oh, okay. So uh, there Mexi you go, I'm already learning things. Mexican amber, which comes from the state of Chiapas, is 23 to 26 million years old. Oh, wow. And typically it's found at about 300 meters altitude, mm -hmm. and it's found in lignite veins. Okay. So you, you look for the indicator dirt and or coal, and when you find that, you know that you're close to an amber vein. You look, look for the vein, and you start. If you find lignite, you start digging through the lignite, and then you, if if there's amber in there, you'll start finding it. That's cool. And usually, the deeper you go, the larger the pieces are. So, what does it look like, like in when you in the raw form or whatever? It just looks like a rock because it's usually covered in mud and mm -hmm. dirt, and then once once you start cleaning it you'll notice that it's got some translucency and cool. it looks a little golden certain pieces which you find in sand mm -hmm. the sand will fall right off and they're just perfect cool. perfect gem awesome. color right off the bat that's cool so i noticed like the carvings and things like that because it's like a it's really seems really light and soft is it hard to carve it no often 
often it's pretty easy to carve. We use diamond, um, diamond bits, tungsten cool. carbide bits. The hardest part is actually polishing it because you have to go through up to 10 steps with different grits of sandpaper cool. to get a good final polish. Sweet. So I gotta ask about the mosquito, like, cause that's what everyone thinks of with Jurassic Park, you know, like, what's the likelihood? Like, how often do you find mosquitoes in it? You know, people think mosquitoes are, are common, but mm -hmm. they're actually pretty rare. Um, that being said, we find a lot because we have a mine yeah. and we pump them out. But, cool. you know, we probably have 10 mosquitoes in stock. But Sweet. typically when you see a fly in amber or a winged bug in amber, mm -hmm. it's not actually a mosquito. Oh, okay. And so they are more rare compared yeah. to what people would commonly think. Just because of pop culture and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. Do you want to just tell us about some of these artifacts here on the table? So um, this is the Touch Me table. Um, and we have a mixture of both um, real fossils and cast of fossils. Um, so right here, um, this big guy right here is a Triceratops vertebrae. Nice. Um, and we know that it would be probably somewhere more central in the Triceratops because it has rib attachments. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we look at this vertebrae, this is a vertebrae of a hadrosaur, a duck-billed dinosaur. Um, it doesn't really have that section for, for the rib attachment, so we know this is actually um, a tail vertebrae because you don't need ribs in your tail. Right. Yeah. So are those actual fossils? Yeah, these, these are actual fossils. Oh, wow. Um, this is uh, also from a hadrosaur. This is a hadrosaur toe bone. Oh, wow. Um, and we have some comparative anatomy. This is a modern horse hoof bone. Oh, wow. So you can kind of see it yeah. takes up the same surface area. It kind of has the same mm -hmm. arc, kind of same shape. Cool. Yeah. This is um, this is my personal favorite. This is um, an ulna of, a t of an adult T-Rex. Oh, wow. And if you compare it to your ulna, it's actually um, shorter than my oh, ulna wow. right here. And I'm 5'9". Um, I'm 5'9". <laughs> um, uh -huh. And at the end of it would be this... Um, finger claw. Oh wow. It'd be two finger claws yeah. at the end of it. So it really does have <laughs> small arms. I know, that's always like an ongoing joke, like yeah. the T-Rex has little. Tiny arms. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's true. Um, it's true, everybody. Yeah, so this is the finger claw, and then in comparison to the same size animal um, of the T-Rex, it's the toe claw. Oh wow. So you can see how much meatier and, and thicker it is. So what are these made out of? Um, like the... These, are these, these are replicas? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, I was just like, uh, uh. Is it like in Jurassic Park when they, like, does he, like, 3D print the, the Velociraptor claw? Yeah. Well, well, 3D printing is, is something that's going on now. It's more recent. So these are actually done through older methods of, oh, okay. of casting. Um, so you would take the actual fossil mm -hmm. and you would um, you would make a mold of it um, and then you let that mold dry and then you would take that mold and you put um, kind of like our jacket right here like a field yeah. jacket or a field cradle you put foster Paris on it so it would gotcha. hold the shape so you have this kind of silicone flexible mold and then you would take some some resin or, or something that you would like to do cool. to, to I think I remember doing a project like that like in grade school oh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, I mean, you do, you do get a lot of detail. Um, I mean, this one's a little bit a little bit better of the finger claw. I mean, you can see the actual cracks that were happening yeah. on the fossils um, and the different attachment points. So it is it is fairly accurate, and, and it is kind of cooler in my opinion than 3D printing because I mean, the mold that touched this touched the real thing. Yeah, that's true. You know, instead of just being kind of ambiguous 3D printing. I mean, if you, I don't know. I feel like, and I enjoy the yeah. process. It's more tactile. Yeah, it's more tactile, and it's a funner process yeah. for me. I mean, it's more. That's true, yeah. Okay, so we got Jane, the juvenile T-Rex over here. Tell yeah. us about Jane. So Jane is an 11-year-old T-Rex. Uh, she was discovered in 2011, or two, excuse me, 2001, by the Burpee Museum of Natural History. 
uh, on BLM land. And so the original specimen is at the Berkey Museum in Rockford, Illinois. But we have a cast of her skull here on display so people can kind of meet her and see what she's all about. She's got some really cool features. One thing you'll note is that it's got a really, uh, it's got different proportions than an adult T-Rex, uh, which you might expect actually, because adult T-Rexes do something kind of weird. They are able to bite through bone, and being able to bite through bone means you have to have really uh, large muscles to uh, bite the, through bone. You have to have pretty unique teeth as well. So the juvenile ones are doing some different things than the adult ones, and one of that is uh, they have all these uh, fairly laterally compressed teeth that are able to bite through meat. Um, but not, probably not through bone. Uh, there's also got some pretty cool bite marks on her snout itself. So uh, we have very few juvenile T-Rexes in the world and having Jane here is pretty phenomenal and it does show some kind of cool behavior. So these are a couple bite marks from another juvenile T-Rex on her snout. There's a couple one, two, three um, on her snout. And it tells us that um, there's at least some interspecies fighting going on. Mm -hmm. Whether or not that was from kind of malintent or just a sibling rivalry that went too far. It's hard to tell that. Yeah, from, I have big from, brothers. Yeah, right? <laughs> but it does tell us that, you know, there's at least some interspecies fighting going on. So that's some really cool, there's some really cool data that's coming from Jane. We also know that she was about 11 years old when, when she died, and we have a good amount of the rest of the skeleton. So there's a lot of really cool things we can find out about young T-Rexes. Uh, another thing we know about them is that they have different limb proportions than an, an adult T-Rex. So they have longer legs, longer arms as well. Uh, so they're probably quite a bit more swift and maybe even able to use their arms uh, at that age. Yeah. Interesting. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What are your guys' favorite dinosaurs? <laughs> um, my favorite dinosaur is a Pachycephalosaurus. Sweet. Do you want to tell us more about that one? Um, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's the one when they're adult. They have a dome head with some nubs on it. And nice. we can find them in Ikalaka. And Sweet. we have, and it's really exciting. Is that like your spirit animal? <laughs> um, spirit animal. Um, I've been told my spirit animal is actually a kangaroo. So oh, okay. I, I, think, I think a kangaroo has probably chosen me. I yeah. Don't know. I, oh, okay. Yeah. If I could choose, I might say Packy. Yeah, nice. <laughs> awesome. So, how about Jurassic World? What do you think of Jurassic World? Um, I've seen it once, and I love Chris Pratt. Yeah. Um, so, I feel like Chris Pratt is the best part of Jurassic World. Yeah, dice. So, Chris Pratt, if you're hearing this, we want you to come to Ekalaka. <laughs> that would be awesome yeah. if Chris Pratt listened. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. So, like, how do you feel like dinosaurs are represented in general, like with pop culture? Um, well, I think I think with a lot of things in pop culture and science, it's you know, yeah. it's definitely not accurate, right. um, which is fine. I think that's something that people accept when they when they step into a movie. Right. Um, so I think, you know, a movie's for entertainment. If someone wants to get, you know, um, something educational, mm -hmm. they'll watch a documentary or come to a museum. But exactly. I think it's a good way to get people excited about yeah. about, about dinosaurs. Um, and then they can yeah. come to us and they can see about what they really look like. I warned you, didn't I? It was pretty nerdy. And that was the edited stuff. You should have heard the entire audio. It was pretty awesome. So anyway... Special thanks to the folks over there at Carter County Museum. They're the dinosaur folks you heard from at the end. If you want to find out more about dinosaurs and paleontology and all that good stuff. So they also do this really cool event called the Dino Shindig. Get it? Shindig? <laughs> so let me just read you what it says on their website about that. It's a day of lectures from world-famous paleontologists talking about the latest and greatest dinosaur discoveries, 
from the Hell Creek Formation, and then also a field expedition to visit an active dinosaur dig and prospect for new dinosaur discoveries in the famous Hell Creek Formation with paleontologists. And that is on the eastern part of Montana. So if you're in that neck of the woods, like around, say, July, and you're interested in maybe discovering some dinosaur bones, I would definitely look into doing this dino shin dig at the Carter County Museum. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this very informative episode of Nerd of Paradise, all about rocks and minerals. And I also got a lot of really, really cool, interesting pictures. So be sure to check out nerdofparadise.net if you want a visual to some of the things that I was talking to these people about. Very cool stuff. All right, so let's move on to some past and future plans for Nerd of Paradise. First of all, Thanks so much for all the great feedback from the last episode about the Beatles. It seems like um, there are a lot of Beatles fans out there, and I'm glad that I could do that episode and just share some of the Beatles love. So thanks for your feedback, everybody. And a special shout out to Allison, who is at Cosplay for Jedi. She has been binging on Nerd of Paradise, and I think she likes what she's hearing. So thanks a lot, Allison keep listening. You rock. All right, so I just wanted to give you guys a little heads up about the next episode, which is going to be awesome. It's tentatively called Internet Famous, so we're going to really dive into trends and memes and what makes something go internet famous. So I've already recorded an interview with David After Dentist, hashtag is this real life, and his dad, So I talked to them about the whole process of becoming an internet icon. And hopefully there'll be a couple of other interviews that are still in the works. So hopefully that'll come out soon. If you want to stay in touch with Nerd of Paradise, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Our handle on Twitter is at nofppod. And of course, check out the website, nerdofparadise.net. And if you want to just send a regular old email, you can do that too at hello at nerdofparadise.net. And since I honestly can't find a good quote on rocks or minerals or even like dinosaurs or fossils or anything, I think I'm just going to leave it at that. And I will catch you guys on the flip side. So this is your host, Kate DeBinko, signing off. Until next time, embrace the weird.